Lord, we say gladly, happily, we are your workmanship created in you for good works. So, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let your presence rest upon us. If you're just joining us online, welcome to Community Church here. We're going to worship God because God inhabits the praises of his people. That means God is looking for a place to land on the earth. And he's going to land in a significant way. We know that. But he's looking for strategic places to begin his invasion of creation. And he's going to do it on a people that worship. So let's worship him. But I want to share with you the, the journey that we're on is really discovering what we've been missing all along. You can have the right theology. You can have the right language. You can, you can say all the right things. You can be praying the right prayers and still not be touching the source of the power. So this morning and last night I was on with tech service for my internet and all of that and this morning it was out again so I'm on there for an hour and we're trying to diagnose what's the problem so it's what color is the light on this and what color is the light on that and is there is there internet messaging coming to the where's the break where is the break that's always the question we have we're giving service but where is the break where is it you're not getting it that's what God is trying to diagnose but our our inclination is it's not my fault. We don't really ever believe it's our fault. But the truth is God has endless amounts of resurrection power. Death cannot even prevail in his presence because he's, he's living. His life emanates an atmosphere such that even, even a four times removed impartation of his life in the bones of Elisha who's been dead years if those bones are touched by a dead man that man comes back to life that's pretty significant power so we got to get out of this idea that oh I'm waiting for God we're not waiting for God God is always waiting for us God is always waiting for us And Barry's message a few weeks ago was basically this. There is sufficient power. There is sufficient sufficient desire in God. He's already said yes. He's already made provision. He's already done everything necessary to make you live a life that's godly and free from the powers of darkness. So, Father, we want to lean into this again. And we want to say, God, show me the ways that we don't believe the words that we're saying when we're saying you're the God of the impossible. Father, break in us that thing that doesn't know how to believe. Lord, we declare we don't know sometimes how to believe. We don't even know how to find unbelief in us. We don't know what's nullifying our faith. But Father, we know the problem is not you. So let's declare it again as we sing this. He is the God of the impossible. Is there any desperation? How How much do we want breakthrough this morning? What is hanging over the balance? What what is going on in our lives that we need breakthrough for? Are we close enough 
to make that final dive across the finish line? Is there something worth pursuing? Is there something we need to have that we can't live without? God, God, show us your face. Show us your face. So I've just had this unction in my spirit all service long. And I've just been praying in tongues and interceding. And the unction that I've been feeling is to intercede that the boxes in our lives would be broken down in the room today. And I just hear this conversation between ourselves and the Lord. And it kind of goes like this. I believe in miracles and they look like this. I believe in miracles and they're going to happen like this. I need this, so you need to do this. And I just feel this uh, intensity from the Lord where he is saying, I'm so much bigger than that. And you don't get to define me. You don't get to define my miracles. You don't get to define my character. You don't even get to imagine with your own mind what it's going to look like for my miracles to pour in this place. And I've just been interceding and interceding. God, give us the grace to, to let go, to surrender to the boxes that have become our prisons. And, I, and as I've been interceding, I just feel the holy wind of God blowing in my own spirit and blowing in this room. And it is absolutely shaking me. And I just keep hearing this song over and over again. Uh, there's a holy wind blowing. There's a holy wind blowing. There's a holy wind blowing today. And so I just, I, I'm feeling that unction that Pastor Mark said, how do we go? Where's the next step? And I think the next step is that we actually surrender to the grace to get out of our boxes. And I see this picture, almost like the boxes that we've created, our image of what God's miracles look like, our image of what God's character is, our image of how he's going to make those miracles happen in our lives, have turned into a prison for us. When his miracles don't show up the way we want, we are disappointed in him. We are disappointed in his character. We have become stuck. And so we have to surrender according to his grace to these boxes. That surrender is the key that opens up the prison that we've been stuck in to the way that we see God, the way that we know God, the way that we relate God, relate to God, the way that we worship God. There is absolutely grace in the room today. There is an anointing in the room today. There's a holy wind blowing in the room today that is the key to your freedom, that is the key to get out of your stuckness. And so I am asking you to surrender to that grace right now. This is the breakthrough. This is the breakthrough that you would surrender to that grace and he will hand you the key and you will be free. And so I'm going to ask you to do that for a couple of minutes right now. Just surrender to the grace. Let go of your concept of miracles. Let go of your concept of God. Let go of your ideas about how you want him to do things. And he is going to show up in this place fuller and more powerful than you can imagine. Will you believe with me today? Will you believe with me today? Bring your faith right now. Bring your faith into this room. Let's lift it up to him. Let's surrender to him. Enter into the grace right now. It is available in this space. 
pull on it, enter into it right now. In Jesus' name. 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 There is freedom in Jesus' name. There is freedom in Jesus' name. There is freedom. There is freedom. There is freedom in this room today. In Jesus' name. So we say this morning, God, that your your way is better. And as much as we can cling to our own, Lord, we, we say we don't want to. We say we don't want to. Father, we don't want to cling to our own ways. Father, provide grace to break free this week. Provide grace to break free. I say in the name of Jesus, let cracks begin to appear. Let cracks begin to appear. Let cracks begin to appear in our self-preserving systems. In all of our tight little ideologies that protects us, that keep us safe. Oh God, in Jesus' name, Lord, may we hurl ourselves with abandonment into the great breath of your beauty and get everything that you are. Can you say amen? What if I were to tell you this, that breakthrough in power is not far away from you right now, but it takes more than you're willing to sacrifice to get it. That ultimately is the, is the real problem. It's not just your problem, it's my problem. It's the condition, it's the human condition from which we are being liberated gradually. But it's very hard <laughs> to lay down things that are tangibly good for what is invisibly better. The good things that you already have within reach Sometimes it's like, you know what, I can live with this. This is what Israel did. After they got out of the, from slavery, they looked at what it would cost them to go into the land and say, you know what, we're good with this. We're out of slavery, we're out of bondage. Yeah, we don't have the promised land, but we're right on the edge of it. And this is infinitely better than what we think. We're not sure we could get. So we, we stay where we are because we're not really completely 100% sure that next thing is attainable and that becomes our box that becomes the world we live in meanwhile the invitation is always given come up higher 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 oh come up higher the can you feel the desire of the father come up higher oh my children if you only knew what I have prepared for you if you could only see what lies just an arm's length away, oh, how you would cry out. Oh, how you would seek me. Oh, how you would long for you. Oh, how you would lunge. Oh, the desperation that would consume you. Like a man running from a burning building, you would run. You would give it all. If you only could see, come up higher, come up higher, know, know that I want you closer.
know that I want you nearer. See, this is the reason why that, that plateau that includes all the things an eventual generation of people are going to get is going to be found by the generation of Jacob defined as those who seek him. The all is prepared for those who give all. And it's not a shameful thing to say, I don't know how to do that. Because this is the journey. His eyes are looking for those whose hearts is full, complete, 100%. And if he's looking for that, and we don't have everything, then we don't fit the criteria yet. I think it's simple. We can admit that. And that's not humiliating. That should be an assault on your integrity. Church out there, it's not an assault on your integrity to know that God is filtering those who give all and those who don't give all. That's the reality. But a church is coming that will cross that, in, that final threshold. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of it. And I'm saying, God, do what you have to do. So, Father, increase our capacity, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Hallelujah. Uh, so excited what the Lord is making clear to us. Um, Father, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I'm trying to, I got like three messages going. And so I'm trying to figure out, okay, where, where do they merge? At, at, at what point are they going to come together? Let me start here. God is always looking for a people. That's what he needs is, you know, the harvest. Oh, the harvest is ripe. We've heard it forever. The readiness of the harvest has never been a ch the challenge. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said the harvest is ready. So the harvest being ready is not really currently the issue. What does he say? He says, he says so pray the Lord of the harvest. He sends harvesters. So what is a harvester? Evidently, it's, it's a people who are qualified to bring in the harvest. Yeah, that's profound, eh? So, so that's the issue. If, if He said, the harvest is ready, but pray the Lord that he send harvesters. Then what's missing is harvesters. God is looking for a qualified people to bring in the harvest. And, you know, I'll let your imagination decide today what that looks like. What, is a, what does a prepared people look like? And uh, if you imagine all, the, all of the improvements in your spiritual life from the time you got born again till now, some of that, plus more, right? So, so we are on this journey, and God is preparing us and, uh, and he's configuring our attitudes, our hearts. He's configuring the place. This is a big one. The place from which we draw power, that's, that's an important one. You know, uh, I was just sharing it with it this morning. You know, we were in prayer this morning, and I, and I just felt this impulse that sometimes we're not really desperate enough because if you've been a Christian for 30 years, you know, and you're not, your life isn't falling apart presently. My favorite pick-on guy is here. He, hey, Brian. If you've been a Christian, Brian, for 30 years, 
And your life is somewhat, you know, has certain kinds of moral symmetry and it's, it's aligned in some ways. You know, the, the tendency to, the, the sense of desperation isn't the same as if you've just been saved and you are harassed continuously by demonic powers and you're always on the edge of falling into sin. There's a sense of vulnerability and desperation that, you know, consumes your life that is not there. When you know what I'm a I'm a pretty good Christian. I go to church regularly. I even tithe sometimes, and you know uh, uh, I fit in. I fit into the community. I fit into the the social order. I can go there and not look completely out of place. So what happens is the more you fit in, the more you become complacent about getting more, because the urgency to get more is lessened. And so. So what happens is you can live out of the redeemed portion of your soul and, and do quite well. And what God is saying is like, hey, guys, that's not enough. Not by mind or by power, but by my spirit. And my spirit will continue to change your character, continue to change your soul, continue to do those things. But there's no point in time where you have enough change that you can sustain that change by yourself. That only the life of God sustains that. Oh, let me, let me, let me <laughs> just hit a pocket of, of, of revelation there. My wife and I, we, we sometimes watch these shows, and, uh, and I, you've heard me talk about this before, but um, what's that? Gordon Ramsay, Gordon Ramsay, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a phlegmatic kind of, you know, he's, well, he's, he's explosive, he's, he's, but he's a perfectionist. And, and, of course, it's made for TV stuff, so they probably over-dramatize stuff and whatnot. But his main thing is this. When he comes into a situation and he finds chefs that are underperforming, the first thing he has to do is demonstrate to them that they're underperforming. <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing he has to do because what he realizes is there's a certain kind of complacency that, you know, that little piece of paper on the wall that says, Chef has deceived you into thinking that this food and this statement on the wall are equivalent. And so, in other words, he's trying to get them to realize you don't have an internal measure of what's required for for that to, to, to live up to that title. You don't have that. That's the problem. What are you talking about? I I can cut onions and I can fillet and I can... doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you think you know, you're not performing. So it's the same situation everywhere you go. One of the big problems that food chains have is keeping up the level of of quality. And so the quality control measures are always there to make sure that they're always giving you the same quality you come to expect. Well, the problem is you you always got employees that don't understand that that measure, that they have another measure of what a clean bathroom looks like that corporate office may think is not quite sufficient. So they got to tell you, say, yeah, that's not clean, right? How many of you have kids? Try to bring them up to your level of this is not clean, <laughs> right? So God has actually tried to do that. To, I, I got to say, I'm functioning at a level and I haven't just called you to be better than the world. I've called you to be like me. And being better than the world is not nearly sufficient. Be perfect as I am perfect. Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. That's a tall order. 
is there any other stop-off point? You know, that's gold. Let's go for bronze. <laughs> and he's saying, no, my vision is a people combing the face of the earth who look exactly like Jesus, who act, function, draw from the power of heaven, to, and they're going to be like Jesus. That's what I'm going for. And so if you want to be a part of that, you can. If not, that's fine. I'm not going to make you. You're still probably going to go to heaven. So, hallelujah. Let's lean into this. I'm writing a book right now. And the, 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 the basis of the book is this. And this will be new to you. You've never heard this before. <laughs> but the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's, that's the end goal. That's what Jesus that's what the Father, that's what, that, that's just what God has decided he's after. The earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And so his plan is to fill the earth with this essence, this, this aroma of who he is. This is what he's trying to do. And so he's doing that through individuals. But he's more, more than doing that through individuals. He's doing that through a people. A people, the church, the people of God. We are his temple. We are his temple. Individually, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. But more than that, a body of people walking together are a collective temple. And the manifestation of the Holy One that comes through the temple is, is the objective. So I want you to picture this. I want you to picture the earth. Shrouded in darkness... And that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is a light. It's the only light available, and it's not anywhere on the earth. But God wants to bring the light of the knowledge of the glory of God into creation. And that, that light has the power to deliver, to set free, to emancipate nations and cities and people. Not only that, it has the ability to liberate creation itself. And so God, the Godhead is surmising they're thinking what is the plan i know let's fill the earth with the essence of what's in heaven well how will we do it through portals through the one who joins himself to the lord as one spirit jesus said out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water the knowledge here's what we're going to do we're going to flow through People on earth, people that are broken, people that are imperfect, people that don't understand everything. We're going to start. We're going to make a, a well within them and cause the life of God to start coming up, springing up through them. And so that starts happening. And you can see from a distance in the, in the, in the, in the heavens, you're looking at the earth, dark, except for these little tiny sparks of light. All over, these little sparks of light. But then lo and behold, some of these sparks start to gather. And as they gather, two sparks together don't just produce two sparks. They produce a thousand. One shall put, what is it? No, 10,000. You know that multiplication effect. One will put a thousand to flight. Two will put 10,000. The multiplication effect of unified people causes an exponential release of light in the earth. So all of a sudden, you have these pockets of brilliant light across the nations. This is God's plan. And through that body of people, 
an atmosphere of the presence of God. What exists in heaven is shining through these people. But it doesn't stop there because the enemy's thinking, wow, we want to we wanna keep this from happening. Right? We want to keep this from happening because this is a threat. So what are the most... What is the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness? Well, the greatest concentration of, of those, those gr- groupings of light. So what we, the enemy does, and this is the plan. Okay, there's people operating religion, but they're not releasing light. There are churches all over the earth that are saying the right things, doing the right things, but they're really demonstrating just a, a, their own morality. But there are churches, places, streams of people who are releasing light. We want to get them. We want to stop them. We need to shut them down. And so what happens across the nations, the greatest demonic attack is not reserved for morality. The greatest demonic attack is not reserved for Christendom in general. The greatest demonic attack is on places where the light of God is shining through. What does that mean? Does that, mean that means that the, the besieged houses of the Lord are not the ones doing the least, but the ones doing the most. Let me throw this out. We are constantly surrounded by witchcraft, by attacks, by accusation. It's, 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 it's incessant. Yes, uh, two days ago, a friend of mine called me and said, yeah, I, I just got a message from somebody online who said, don't have anything to do with Mark Brisebois. It's a... Yeah. I said, well, why not? He's a warlock. Yeah. yeah. Good to know, eh? Yeah. This person saw me on Instagram doing satanic symbols with my hand. I don't know what they might be. I want to read a prophetic passage about Isaiah. It says in Isaiah 11, it says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, and Spirit of counsel and might, and the Spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. And so we know that represents Jesus, but it represents everybody who calls and names the name of Jesus. There's a spirit of God that God wants to fall on us, for us to represent, to us begin to release something from the earth into the earth. And that's what church is. Church is a gateway between heaven and earth where the presence and all the resources of God flow through. But if you keep reading this amazing prophetic word, listen, listen what, what else it says. It says, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall slay the weak, wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Now here's the part I wanted to get to. The wolf also will dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the faultling together, and the child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. 
The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weeding child shall put his hand in the viper's den. So think about this. An atmosphere is coming to the earth that's going to thoroughly change even the animal kingdom that the resident hostility and the need to conquer and kill and eat and destroy that, that, that insecure territorial spirit that causes lions to kill the young of other lions and, and chase and I mean that whole dynamic that exists that, that hostility between cobra and humanity it's, it's just simply not going to be there wow it's just not going to be there I wonder who told the lions I mean is there going to be like a taskmaster standing over the cobra and saying hey don't do don't even think about it don't eat that child no it says it's just not going to be there I want you to think I want you to think on a whole other level that there's a kind of transformation that's coming to creation where the concept, the urgency, the desire of sin does not even exist. Where it's not even there. Enmity, hostility, hatred. It's just not even possible. I want to elevate your expectation of what God did when he caused you to be born again. When he caused you to be born again. He didn't just sit back and say, now be good. Now here's a list of rules, do these things. He said, no, listen, I want to so inundate you in a heavenly atmosphere and a presence that I will bring an end to every desire that is inconsistent with me. Because the end of this is not just the restraint of my evil desires, but transformation. So that I'm not jealous, I can't be jealous, that I love, that I, I nurture, I, I forgive, I release, I, I am, I'm generous and gentle. I like to be generous and gentle, and last night on the phone with that tech person, I wasn't really generous and gentle, because I thought, I, I was annoyed. This is not my job to have to spend an hour fixing your equipment. Anybody identify with that? What, what, what am I saying? What's the point? Let's keep reading. Face ID. Okay, there we go. This is what he says at the end of this. They shall not hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Why won't they hurt? Why won't they kill? Why won't they destroy? Why won't they act with jealousy and rage? Because the knowledge of the Lord the knowledge of the Lord you see when we're when we're in here worshiping together there's a place where the room starts to change remember that song we sing when you walk into the room right everything changes why because life light begins to fill this room where's it coming from it's not coming from the sky it's coming from inside people that are actually worshiping and that light that's starting to come out of you, that flow of the river of God is starting to fill the room. The room. You know, when you go to Niagara Falls, and as you get closer, the, the air starts to smell like rain. As you get closer, it's not raining, but you start to get dew on your, on your clothes. You start to feel wet on your hair because the air itself is permeated with moisture. 
The knowledge of the glory of the Lord is a literal atmosphere. And it's the only commodity Satan cannot resist. Listen, the presence of God is the only thing that hell has to back up. It has no response for. You can be the very best Christian there is. You can be, have the willpower of, uh, of the greatest people alongside the greatest people on the earth who, who willed themselves to do the things that they're... You could be German and produce the right behaviors and subdue the, the, beha- the thoughts and the impulses and crush that laziness and go to work when you're supposed to. You know, but, but none of that can produce the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God comes from him. And so God is going to fill the earth with this commodity. And so, I, but here's, I want to get back to our imagery. So the warfare of the enemy is, can I shut down any of these doors that are opening? Can I, can I get Ben to stop singing? Can I get, can I get these guys to stop leading, stop sharing the gospel. Can I get, can I get David to stop interceding? Can I get somebody to, over here to stop dancing, stop shouting? Like these impulses, these things that we're doing in response to the Holy Spirit in us, they are bringing a manifestation of heaven on earth. So the enemy is trying to stop it. But his priority are those bodies of people who are unified who aren't locked down by religious spirit, who are worshiping God in spirit and truth, where each and every time they gather, the, the, the fountain of life just begins to spew up. That's what he's trying to stop. He could deal with your religious, uh, religious sentimentality. It does nothing. But there is a distinct kind of warfare around true houses of worship. Now, why are you saying this? Because that warfare, that warfare filters out certain kinds of people. What I've realized is that, is that the closer you are to releasing more of the glory of God, the more vehemence the enemy throws against you. And the question is, can you handle the war? Can you handle the battle? Can you handle the intensity of it? Can you stop? Can you keep from being offended? So this morning I was thinking and praying along these lines because I was I was dealing with a, an issue. Surprise, surprise of people who are offended at me. And what God is trying to do with us, it makes make us unoffendable. Blessed is he who is not offended in me, Jesus said. And yet he seemed to do everything in his power to offend them. <laughs> right? <laughs> Blessed is he who is not offended in me, but unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have any part of me. It's like, this is a hard saying. Are you, are you trying to make us stumble on purpose, Jesus? I thought this was church where you, the, the, the role of the pastor and the leaders is to make everything easy. Aren't you supposed to make it easier for us to come to church? Like, pave that driveway already, please. <laughs> so there's a, 
There's a thing that God is doing, and I'm trying to think of how best to express He's trying to heal us. He's trying to make us so we're not volatile. He wants to make it so, so we're not easily offended. When I, when I look at the world out there, I think there seems to be a very significant increase in offendedness. It's like the number of buzzwords you cannot use these days, it's just pretty soon half the vocabulary, half the dictionary will be unusable because somebody is going to get bothered by the use of that. Well, I'm going to use the words I want to use, boys and girls, marriage, man and woman, discipline, forgiveness, repentance, sin. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Father, we say, we declare today that you are raising up an unoffendable people, a people who aren't reactionary, a people who aren't hostile at a second's notice, people who aren't unforgiving, but people who are living, people who are temperate, people who are disciplined, people who love one another, people who forgive, people who repent. Father, in Jesus' name, we say, let your people arise in the earth. Now, the scenario I was thinking about today, and I'll have to read a scripture because In Leviticus 21, and there are other passages around this, but I'll have to turn to it. Leviticus 21, listen listen to what it says. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, No man of your descendants in succeeding generations who has any defect may approach to offer the bread of his God. Wow. Wow. For any man who has a defect shall not approach. Think about that. It's kind of it's kind of rude. I mean, what did that guy do? He was born with a defect. Anybody here born with a defect? <laughs> so none of these people can serve the house of the Lord or draw near. For any man who has a defect shall not approach. A man blind or lame, who has a marred face, or any limp, or any limb too long. A man who has a broken foot or a broken hand. Wow. Or is a hunchback, or a dwarf, or a man who has a defect in his eyes, no enzema or scab, or any eunuch. Now, why would God make those kinds of rules? I mean, you are, probably already know this, but there are things called types and shadows. When the Bible talks about shadows, it's talking about, about things that represent things. When you see a shadow, I think Jim talked about this a few weeks ago, I'm looking at a shadow of this table right here. If I only, well, you see the shadow better over here. Yeah, there you see it. When I look at this shadow, I know there's a table because there's a shadow. The important thing is not the shadow, but the table. This points to something else. This testifies that something else exists. The law is a shadow. All of these rules are shadows. They they represent something else. The question is, what do they represent? What are they pointing to? What is the reality of this? The point is this. When God says, I don't like, you know, uh, 
I don't like blind people or defective people. It's not for us to assume that God is against anybody with a defect. In fact, the opposite is true, right? I mean, everything we know about God is his is, is, is compassion for the broken. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Jeremiah 30, verse 17, for I will restore health to you and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins on a tree that we might, we might, that might die, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. God is not against our weakness, but here's the thing. If you have a wound, you tend to be, well, let me put it this way. If you've got a massive, big bruise, near broken limb, or what do you call that, not an abra- or a severe abrasion on your, your leg, your leg here, you're not going to go play tackle football with the guys. Because, A, the chance of injuring it more is there, but more importantly, you are sensitive to touch. I've, I've preached on this before. God is looking for people to operate at the core of where the kingdom of God is being released. That's what the, the temple represents places where the presence of God is. And at the core has to be people who are, get this, whole. People who are healthy. And people who are whole and healthy aren't easily offended. That's the point. They don't, have, they don't need safe places. Are you with me? Does this make sense? And so here's what I found is that when, when people who are wounded are around severe demonic attack, they tend to become very volatile, unstable. You can't depend on them. They, you know, they, they say, oh, I will help out. But then halfway through helping out, they, they run away cursing you because you didn't acknowledge them enough when they were helping. It's like, geez, I thought you were here to help. I didn't realize that behind your knee, your offer to help was really a search for significance. That's the kind of volatility that wounded souls have. They, they're actually, everything they do is in order to get re affirmed, comforted. And so they're, they're doing things not because they understand the vision or what it takes to de- defend what God is doing or to guard it or be at the core of it, but they're there to receive, not to give. And that's common. That's, that's, that's all right. But what happens is the warfare keeps taking people out. People get offended. People get mad because you use the wrong word. And the test is this. Can you maintain, can you keep your mind? Can you be stable in the moment? Can you, like, can you enter into a relationship and have people over at your house and not be concerned with how they're treating you? How many of you have ever invited 10 families over to your house 
over the course of six months and never got an invitation. And so you decided this church just doesn't know how to take care of people, so you went to another church. Well, I feel like I'm treading on hallowed ground. God is trying to tell us something. Say, what, what makes an atmosphere around a church volatile in the spirit is the attack that's on it, and people who are already volatile cannot withstand that. So I have healing for you. I have restoration. I have deliverance. I have, but I'm desperately looking for people who can be a part of the kingdom of God, who can release the life of God, who can be part of a family that is, is advancing the glory of God. But it's hard to find people because people get mad. At some point along the way, well, this leader or that guy or somebody didn't do enough for me. And the way we measure, and I've run into this time and time again, you get around denominational streams and other Christians and they say, well, there must be something wrong with that church because people keep getting offended there. Now, the places where people keep getting offended is not where there's more darkness, but where there's less darkness. Oh, thank you, Lord. God is in the middle of trying to get us ready to, to host the presence of the Lord. Father. Father, show us what it takes I'm contending today for a change of mindset, a change where people begin to see places where there's heightened warfare. There's not a place that's unsafe, but as the safest place you could possibly be if you can get to the center of it. That in the column of light, of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, there is an arresting force that causes all hostility to be removed from your life. But as you're making your way through, God is dealing with that, with judgments. God is dealing with hostilities. God is dealing with hostile reactive tendencies and I feel the deep desire of God he's so longing for a people that are unoffendable God could that be us Lord and I I feel like I'm at the end of my words trying to explain what it takes to be a part of a company of people who will not draw their sword against their brother or their sister. But see, that's what happens when you've got a big wound and somebody taps you on the shoulder and inadvertently puts their finger right into the middle of that deep cut, that, that, that inflamed part of your being. All of a sudden, they'll howl in violence and strike back. And you, all you did was try to get their attention. That's what woundedness does. And God is saying, the reason people can't be at the core of where I house my presence is because they become vulnerable to the demonic attacks. 
But his, this is what he's saying. This is the promise. But I have provided a way of healing for you. You know what the way of healing is? Repent. <laughs> Repent. There's so many scriptures we don't seem to understand, and one of them it has been interpreted so poorly again and again it has to do with when somebody slaps you on the cheek. What, you, what are you told to do? You're told to offer them the other cheek. Why? Because your natural response is to slap back. And what the Lord is trying to say is, Liz, I love to have you at the core, at the core of what I'm doing. But can you handle getting slapped and not slap back? Can you handle being rejected and not reject back? Can you, can you handle being used and abused, being unappreciated and not recoil in hatred and anger and rage? He that would be greatest, he would be at the core of everything I do, must become the servant of all. Or you just never notice that you're not being suitably appreciated. Father, I feel this hot breath of hostility because I feel like I'm speaking to a spirit. I'm undermining a spirit. I'm undermining a demonic power that has bitten at the heels of this church for years and years and years. And I'm declaring today that a people are arising here in Community Church who will be able to live in unity with one another and who will face down the accusing sorcery of Jezebel, the accusing sorcery of that Leviathan spirit that rises up to divide and curse that spirit that claws against those who stand on the walls of his body. I see a provision of a people clothed in armor with the belt of truth and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith who stand in their place and say, we will not be moved. We will not be moved. We're not here for reward. We're not here to be celebrated. We're not here to be exalted. We're not here to be patronized. We're not here to be stroked. We are here to contend for the kingdom of God. All over the earth, God is raising up a people who are ready to contend for breakthrough who can stand in the midst of the war, who plant their feet and will not be moved. And if you can't be that today, you can be that tomorrow because God has provision for your wounds and your sensitivities. God has a healing balm that he can pour into your being and remove that root of rejection and that constant, uh, 
That thing that bites at your life, that causes you to feel like nobody likes me, nobody's, nobody cares about me. Why am I so different than everybody else? Why can't I fit in? God has healing for these things. God is recruiting today, not just here, but all across the nation of Canada. He's recruiting people. <laughs> who are free, people who are healed, people are willing to obey the word of God. Listen, this is the kind of change that needs to come to the church. 30 years ago when I was, or longer, I was in Bible college in Edmonton and I began to hear voices whispering and attacking this church. And my my inclination was never to side with him because I thought, I thought most of you people don't even know what the manifestation of the Holy Spirit's about. If you think those guys are over the edge, they must be hidden gold. That's what I thought. thought, There must be something good. When I see the enemy attacking a group of people, it's not because those people are not a threat. It's because they are a threat. When the enemy concentrates all his sinister accusations and tries to slander and accuse brethren. It's not because they're worse. It's usually because they're better. Doesn't mean people are perfect. But the question is, can we stand? Can we stand? Can we stand in the midst of real war? What am I saying? The tendency of the civilian population is to always leave when there's a war to find safety. Who stays behind? The warriors, the soldiers, those who are committed to the freedom of that land. And whenever a church comes under attack, half the population of that church leaves because they're they're not there to preserve what God is doing. They're there to preserve themselves. And they leave because they don't have a choice. But God is raising up a people who can contend against the waves of evil, against the waves of darkness, who will stay and say, I am committed to my brother on my right, my sister on my left. I'm committed to the family of God. I'm not going to tuck tail and run. I'm going to deal with anger. I'm going to deal with resentment. I'm going to deal with my pain. I'm not going to defend my hostility. I'm not going to defend my, my, uh, my judgments. Is there a people who are ready to do the basic things that the Bible says? Do not judge. Do not speak evil of your brother. There are resilient ones, resilient ones, resilient ones made for the day of battle. Now, put your hands on your heads. Say, Father, I will give me the helmet of salvation that guards my mind against accusing thoughts. Give me the helmet of salvation that protects my mind from insidious seeds that come and are planted into my woundedness and are planted into the terrain of my expectations. Those that, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that I would be guarded against every sinister thought. That suspicion, 
paranoia and accusation would not find a fruitful place. Let's just present ourselves to the Lord. If you want to be prepared, if you want to be one that can stand in the heat of the battle, at the center, as a, at the high point of warfare, just, just present yourself to the Lord. You don't have to come to the front. If you want to come, you can. But let's just present ourselves and say, God, make me ready. Make me ready. To make me ready to stand and have the back of my brother, my sister, the family of God. God, I'm done running. I'm done being afraid. I'm done turning against people because they're not perfect. Now, there's another class of person. There's the people that are offended. But there's some people in this place today that you're never offended. But it's but not for good reasons. You're never offended because you actually just have a poor view of everybody. <laughs> you just don't have any expected because you think everybody's pretty much a loser. I'm not putting my hope in that. I'm just going to bear down, work hard, do my part, and, you know. And so you, you, you are a part of spiritual, a spiritual community. Maybe here's maybe somewhere else. But you really don't care about anybody except your kids and your wife. That's it. That's as far as it goes. And that's safety for you, but that's a box. Hello? Can you care deeply? Can you be intimately a part of something and still not be offended by the weakness and the deficiencies of all those that are around you? Just not caring is not freedom. Hello? So recant, come out of that, come out of that. Many of us have, have just drawn a really tight circle around the people we care about and it's about two people deep on every side and that's safety, but it's not what it means to be a son of God. God has given you a capacity to love, to care, to be invested, to be intimate. Father, we want to be what you want us to be. This is what we're, this is what we're saying. He says, I'm raising up champions in this day. I'm raising up overcomers. Father, make us overcomers. You know, overall, we are a completely imperfect people. But there is a direction we're going. And Jesus shared a great picture for us. He talked about somebody having a speck in their eye versus somebody having a log in their eye. It's really interesting because he says to the person with the log in their eye, says, don't judge. He doesn't say that to the person with the speck. Because when you've gone from having a log in your eye to having a speck, you're not so presumptuous. What's replaced all that potential judgment that used to be there is mercy and grace because you once had a log in your eye. But the people who still have the log in their eye are constantly annoyed by the speck in other people's eyes. And they're the ones told not to judge. Because you don't have to tell a person with a speck that was whittled down from a log, don't judge. They already know that. They are not surprised by defect. They, they are not surprised by weakness or insufficiency. But God has created in them a compassion, a love, a desire, and a patience 
so that when they see the log in your eye, they're not, they're not writing you off like you're writing them off. They're saying, this too can be fixed. I once had a log bigger than that one. And so if you have looked at somebody else and thought, man, this meeting would be great if they're not here, if they weren't here. This church would be great if only that person wasn't here. If only that singer, if only that drummer, if only we had this. If you think along those lines, maybe hold off your judgments. Maybe get rid of that log a little bit. God is creating a people. When we see defect in one another, our, our response is not to alienate, reject, or exclude. But God, what, what is their journey? How can I help in their journey? If that's not your impulse, you're the problem. You're the problem. When I started to find mature people, I started thinking there were maybe, there's something wrong with them. They're naive. Clearly, you don't see what's really wrong with this person. Because you're, you're being their friend. Then I realized that no, maturity is, has all kinds of vision. But it's filled with love. Yeah, I, I see what's wrong with him. I'm not naive. But I love you too. Father, I see churches, towers of light and strength arising in the earth with people that love, people that forgive, people that when they are offended, they don't accuse, they repent. They immediately realize that if there's evil coming out of me, if there's impatience coming out of me, that's the problem. Not the pro- not deficiencies in others, but the fact that this hostility is in me, that's the real problem. When, that's, when that turnaround starts to happen in your life, That's a, that's a sign. Maturity is coming. So my prayer today is, God, what situation can't you put me in tomorrow or today that you will be able to put me into tomorrow? What kind of people can't I love today that tomorrow I'll be able to love? What can't I tolerate today that tomorrow I will be able to tolerate and treasure, and value. Father, make me... (laughs) Make me the kind of God that you are, as described in this song, that you go after the weak, you go after the hurting, you will go after the broken, you go after the imperfect, and you love them. Without considering the cost, or looking for praise. Praise.